discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. Here's a handful of news that you won't hear about in the news. After 14 years, 570,000 subscribers, and more than 92 million views, James Corbett's The Corbett Report was purged from YouTube over the weekend for the crime of telling the truth. Speaking of truth, experts agree that wearing a face mask offers little, if any, protection from coronavirus and does nothing to help slow the spread. Also, the CDC says that the risk of infection from touching a surface is quote-unquote low. Plus, a new peer-reviewed scientific paper reveals that the real COVID death numbers are significantly lower than what is being reported on. Lucky for all of you, I do not work for the mainstream media. Therefore, I have no problem reporting on these stories and more. Plus, I agree with the late Dr. Randy Pausch when he said, quote, when there's an elephant in the room, introduce him, end quote. Stay tuned as I finish introducing you to the four-legged behemoths being completely ignored in the media. You're listening to Alternate Current Radio. I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus. Alrighty folks, first things first. Concerning the ban of James Corbett from YouTube, arguably James knew the ban was coming and is certainly taking it with stride. In an update posted on his website, CorbettReport.com, James writes, quote, I posted episode 398 of the Corbett Report podcast, Science Says, around 10 p.m. Japanese Standard Time on Friday, April 9th, 2021, and then went to bed. Sometime shortly after midnight, the main Corbett Report channel was removed from YouTube. And just like that, 14 years of work, some 1,700 plus videos, 569,000 plus subscribers, and 90 million plus video views was erased from the digital ether. Well, the GooTube portion of that digital ether anyway. Given that I've been promoting YouTube alternatives since at least 2009, and given that I have made video after video after video after video after video, after video 
warning my audience that I would be banned from GooTube. It's safe to say that this news did not catch me off guard. Learning about the banning after waking up on Saturday morning, my only thought was, well, that took longer than I expected. Indeed, it was not surprising in any sense that this was the report that led to GooTube purging my main channel. When you release a video on an account that already has two strikes for information that, quote, contradicts the World Health Organization or local health authorities' medical information about COVID-19, end quote, and that video itself contains information calling those very authorities' pronouncements into question. You better believe the thought that this might be your last YouTube upload crosses your mind when you push the publish button. Heck, the quote-unquote offending podcast even centers around an op-ed comparing COVID skeptics to terrorists and calling for the UN to mount a quote-unquote counter-offensive against them. Of course this video was going to be censored. Now, as I do not need to tell my regular audience, none of the videos are actually gone. Every single video was backed up to library. Years worth of videos are backed up to BitChute, and to a lesser extent, Minds and Archive.org. Every video since 2011 is downloadable directly from my servers. But if you don't know that by this point, perhaps you're not really ready to follow the Corbett Report into the brave new post-YouTube internet. Newsflash, this is 2021. If you're still using YouTube to get your news, history, and political information, then you've got bigger problems than just the loss of the Corbett Report. End quote. CorbettReport.com now, granted, just as James Corbett himself explained, having his YouTube channel deleted should come as no surprise to anybody. And I don't blame the mainstream media for not reporting about a YouTube content creator having his channel deleted. That's not necessarily newsworthy, even to us fans of the Corbett Report. However, the next story is shocking enough without the fact that the mainstream news seems to be ignoring it almost completely. Completely. Paul Joseph Watson reports that people on the volcano-stricken island of St. Vincent have been told by the country's prime minister that they won't be rescued if they haven't taken the COVID vaccine. Yes, really. Cruise ships were dispatched to evacuate the island after the 4,000-foot-high volcano La Soufrière erupted on Friday. However, Ralph Gonsalves, the prime minister of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, gave a press conference warning that those who hadn't taken the jab would be left to fend for themselves. Gonsalves said, quote, the chief medical officer would be identifying the persons already vaccinated so that we can get them on the ship, end quote. 16,000 people are being evacuated from the red zone areas of the island that are most at risk, but that number won't include those who, for whatever reason, haven't taken the shot. According to local officials, some people don't want to be evacuated because they are scared they'll be forced to take the vaccine. This is another example of how vaccination status is being used by governments around the world to deny people basic 
basic necessities, including being rescued from a natural disaster. Numerous countries are preparing to implement vaccine passports, which would deny the unvaccinated from entering certain venues, which could eventually extend to pubs, restaurants, cinemas, and shops. Summit.news Well, so much for the idea of vaccine passports being a quote-unquote conspiracy theory. Of course, the mainstream news apparently has no opinion on the matter. In fact, it's been my experience that the mainstream news has no opinion about anything unless it's been bought and paid for. Unlike Dennis Prager, who is of the opinion that mask wearing represents fear and blind obedience, not science. Writing for Town Hall, he says, and I'm quoting, Had you told me a year ago that nearly every American in nearly every metropolitan area would cover their faces for over a year because one man, one political party, and the media told them to, I would have responded that you underestimate the strength of the American character. But here we are, over a year later, and where I live, the Los Angeles area, I am usually the only person on the street not wearing a mask. For the record, I wear a mask in stores and when entering the building in which I work, out of courtesy to those who think a person not wearing a mask poses a lethal threat. On the rare occasions I pass people not wearing a mask, I thank and praise them. They are invariably enthused by my reaction. You do not need medical or scientific expertise to understand the foolishness of outdoor mask wearing. Common sense that great unused guide to life suffices. If you wear a mask, you do so in the belief that you are protecting yourself and others from COVID-19. So then, why do you care if I don't wear a mask? Doesn't your mask protect you? If it does, my not wearing a mask may irritate you because you resent my assertion of freedom, my obvious lack of respect for government and medical authorities, and my alleged selfishness but there would be no rational medical, that is, quote-unquote, science-based reason for your objecting to my not wearing a mask. And if masks protect us and others, why have people been refused the right to visit a loved one as he or she lay dying alone? Why couldn't a person wearing the same mask a doctor, nurse, or any healthcare worker wears when entering your parents' room enter that room? There are two possible answers. One is it's a task admission that masks are essentially useless. You were prevented from visiting your dying father because the hospital believes your loved one or others in the hospital might contract the virus from you, even though you were wearing a mask, which means those running the hospital don't believe masks actually work. The other is that the medical establishment and lay authorities have abandoned elementary human decency in the name of AOC, or Abundance of Caution, forcing hundreds of thousands of people to die alone will go down as one of the cruelest policies ever adopted by American medical and political authorities. The problem is, most Americans who went to college learned to unquestioningly obey quote-unquote experts. This is why common sense, logic, and reason mean little to the well-educated and increasingly to everyone else, because 
because everyone is taught by the well-educated. All we need to know is what the quote-unquote experts say, that plus a fanatical adherence to the rule of AOC have crushed logic and reason. The irony, however, is that quote-unquote the science doesn't justify the fanatical commitment to mask wearing. There are plenty of experts with evidence-based views to the contrary. Here are but a few examples. Dr. Anthony Fauci himself told the truth about the uselessness of mask wearing on 60 Minutes on March 8, 2020. Quote, right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask, and they keep touching their face. End quote. Dr. Ramin Asqui, a cardiologist in Washington at a Senate hearing in December 2020, testified under oath, quote, masks do not work, end quote. The Wall Street Journal reported on November 11th, 2020, quote, the projected number of lives saved and the implied case for a mask mandate are based on a faulty statistic, end quote. Dr. Paul E. Alexander, a Canadian epidemiologist, wrote for the American Institute for American Research on February 11, 2021, quote, surgical and cloth masks used as they currently are have absolutely no impact on controlling the transmission of COVID-19 virus, and current evidence implies that face masks can be actually harmful, end quote. On October 16th, 2020, Roger W. Coops, who has a doctorate in chemistry from the University of California, Riverside, wrote, quote, a mask, and that term usually refers to either a surgical mask or N95 mask, has no benefit in the general population and is only useful in controlled clinical settings. Further, it has been considered a greater transmission risk than a benefit in the general population. In the open environment, no one should be wearing face coverings, end quote. Finally, a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine on May 21st, 2020, concluded, quote, We know that wearing a mask outside healthcare facilities offers little, if any, protection from infection. Public health authorities define a significant exposure to COVID-19 as face-to-face -face contact within six feet with a patient with symptomatic COVID-19 that is sustained for at least a few minutes, and some say more than 10 minutes or even 30 minutes. The chance of catching COVID-19 from a passing interaction in a public space is therefore minimal. In many cases, the desire for widespread masking is a reflexive reaction to anxiety over the pandemic, end quote. Contrary to mainstream media misinformation, the doctors who wrote that report did not later retract anything they wrote. People say they quote-unquote follow the science. They rarely do. They follow the scientists the media tell them to follow. Townhall.com What's really strange is that sometimes the scientists that the media tells you to follow change their mind, yet when that goes against the mainstream narrative, which otherwise is supported by these so-called experts, the media yet again chooses to just straight up ignore the news, including how the CDC discovered that the risk of infection from touching a surface is quote-unquote low. To learn more, let us turn to 
to Jeffrey A. Tucker, writing for Humans Are Free, who reports, Going to the grocery store in Massachusetts in 2020 guaranteed you would breathe heaps of sanitizer. A full-time employee scrubbed down shopping carts between customers. Conveyor belts at the checkout counter were blasted and wiped between every sale. Glass surfaces were sprayed as often as possible. The plastic keypads on credit machines were not only covered in plastic, why putting plastic on plastic stopped COVID was never clear, but also sprayed between uses. Employees would carefully watch your hands to see what you touched, and as you exited the space, would cover the area with cleaning spray. It was the same at offices and schools. If a single person churned a positive PCR test, the entire place had to be evacuated for a 48-hour fumigation. Everything had to be wiped, sprayed, and scrubbed to get rid of the COVID that surely must be present in the bad place. The ritualistic cleaning took on a religious element, as if the temple must be purified of the devil before God could or would come back. All of this stemmed from the belief that the germ lived on surfaces and in spaces, which in turn stemmed from a primitive intuition. You can't see the virus, so it really could be anywhere. The human imagination took over the rest. Subway cars were cleaned daily. Facebook routinely shut its offices for a full scrub. Mail was left to disinfect for days before being opened. Things went crazy. Playgrounds removed nets from basketball hoops for fear that they carried COVID. During the whole pathetic episode of last year, people churned wildly against physical things. No sharing of pencils at the schools that would open. No salt and pepper shakers at tables, because surely that's where COVID lives. No physical menus. They were replaced by QR codes. Your phone probably has COVID too, but at least only you touched it. Touchless became the new goal. All physical things became the untouchables, again reminiscent of ancient religions that considered the physical world to be a force of darkness, while the spiritual slash digital world points to the light. The demonization of surfaces and rooms stemmed not just from active imaginations. It was also recommended and even mandated by the CDC. It offered a huge page of instructions on the need constantly to fear, scrub, and fumigate. On April 5th, however, the CDC page was replaced by a much simplified set of instructions, which includes now this discrete note. Quote, In most situations, the risk of infection from touching a surface is low. End quote. Oh, is that so? It goes on to say, specifically, quote, Quantitative microbial risk assessment, QMRA, studies have been conducted to understand and characterize the relative risk of SARS-CoV-2 fomite transmission and evaluate the need for and effectiveness of prevention measures to reduce risk. Findings of these studies suggest that the risk of SARS-CoV-2 infection via the fomite transmission route is low and generally less than 1 in 10,000, which means that each contact with a contaminated surface has less than a 1 in 10,000 chance of causing an infection. End quote. Whoops. So much for the many billions spent on cleaning products, the employees and the time, and hysteria and frenzy, the rise of touchlessness and gloves, the dousing of the whole world. The science apparently changed. Still, it will be years before people get the news and act on it. Once the myths of surface transmission of 
of a respiratory virus are unleashed, it will be hard to go back to normal. Fortunately, the New York Times did some accurate reporting on the CDC update, quoting all kinds of experts who claim to have known this all along. Quote, finally, said Lindsay Marr, an expert on airborne viruses at Virginia Tech, we've known this for a long time, and yet people are still focusing so much on surface cleaning. There's really no evidence that anyone has ever gotten COVID-19 by touching a contaminated surface, end quote. Still, I'm willing to bet that if right now I headed to a Walmart or some other large chain store, there will be several employees dedicated to disinfecting everything they can, and there will be customers there who demand it to be so. How many years will it take before people can come to terms with the embarrassing and scandalous reality that much of what posed as science last year was made up on the fly and turns out to be wholly false? Humansarefree.com And now here's the kicker, folks. Considering the fact that the mainstream news has spent about a year now reporting every single day about the cases and about the number of deaths attributed to COVID, you would think they, they would be happy to report the following. And or you will realize very quickly the fact that they don't report on the following says quite a lot. Dennis McGowan, writing for The American Thinker, says, For many of us who have had ties to the scientific standards and procedures connected to recording fatalities, there has been a serious sense of doubt about the numbers of COVID-19 deaths reported by the media, courtesy of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The numbers have appeared to be somewhere between marginally overstated and grossly exaggerated. Finally, these instincts have been supported by a peer-reviewed scientific paper. On October 12th of last year, a 25-page paper in Science, Public Health Policy, and the Law was released that explained in detail the foundational reason for the publicly announced fatality numbers and the mechanism by which they were derived. This paper, authored by 10 members of the scientific community, is titled COVID-19 Data Collection, Comorbidity, and Federal Law, A Historical Perspective. At the heart of the issue is the CDC and its methods for collecting and reporting the data, a model which was changed radically in the face of the current crisis. In 2003, the CDC authored and released guidance documents used by the forensic community titled Medical Examiners and Coroner's Handbook on Death Registration and Fe death reporting, along with Physician's Handbook on Medical Certification of Death. These have been the standard for the certification of fatalities nationwide for 17 years. However, in March of 2020, things changed. The National Center for Health Statistics released COVID-19 Alert Number 2, which changed the way deaths with connections to COVID-19 were reported and tabulated. The revealing line in the alert 
alert is the last paragraph. Quote, COVID-19 should be reported on the death certificates for all decedents where the disease caused or is assumed to have caused or contributed to death. End quote. This changed the parameters for the inclusion of deaths from COVID, raising the numbers substantially. A table in the October study titled Comparison of Total COVID-19 Fatalities Based Upon Different Reporting Guidelines demonstrated that deaths through August 23rd of 2020 were higher by over 16 times as compared to the traditional definition. If the reporting of these deaths followed the CDC guidebook from 2003, the number of COVID deaths would have been 9,684. However, utilizing this new reporting and classification method that exclusively applied to COVID-19, the number of deaths is 161,392. The paper delves into a variety of other topics, some legal and some statistical, that are all intrinsically functions of the change in death reporting parameters initiated by the March 2020 alert. However, for so many of us who have had nagging doubts about the actual numbers, knowing that the calculus for recording these deaths had been replaced is reassuring. Having spent a year looking at COVID fatality numbers and assuming that the true count was more likely half or a third of what was being reported, this new report is both satisfying and startling. None of us would have guessed that the actual disparity would be that the number of COVID deaths, according to this study, is a bit less than 6% of the numbers reported by the media. AmericanThinker.com Well, I don't know about you folks, but I'd say all of this stuff is pretty big news that the general public might like to hear about. And it's pretty odd that the mainstream news is not letting everybody know about it. Isn't that weird? Yep, all these elephants in the room, and I can still smell a rat. And if you think the elephants in the room that I've tackled thus far are pretty decent in size, I've got a couple for you that are absolute mammoths, so large they make all the other ones look like pygmies. And you'll get to hear all about them on the next episode. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been The Daily Ruckus for Monday, April 12, 2021. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.